I want to thank the Reverend Canon Stephen Fields for the invitation to be the preacher uh, at this service today. And as you can see, I am a bit anxious to get into the pulpit uh, before the offering is finished collected. But I certainly consider this an honor, and for it I am very grateful. Uh, even though I have been pastor from 1976, that's over 40 years, uh, I must admit that when he asked me to fill the pulpit today, I felt much anxiety. And even earlier today, I could feel my heart pounding a bit, a bit. but I am here. I am here. I thank my wife Heather and the members of our church, Cornerstone Baptist, for their prayers and their presence here today. And I am certainly delighted to be here. I said to the Reverend Stephen that uh, I'll be speaking for about 20 minutes. And he says, oh, is that all you can do as a Baptist? I thought we'd be here all night. But then I said to myself I would not yield to the temptation or else I may not get another invitation. <laughs> and so I'm delighted to be with you this afternoon. And the theme that has been given to us to speak on is the theme of the service, which is ever faithful and ever sure. And the text that has been read from the First Kings chapter 2, Verses 1 to 4 form the basis of our thoughts this afternoon. Uh, John Maxwell, in his book on leadership, he says that success without a successor is failure. And that good leaders seek to prepare their successors. David is certainly doing that with his son Solomon. Good leaders often give admonitions and advice to those who will succeed them. Their words are often informative and certainly instructive. And in the text today, David is passing the mantle of leadership on to his son Solomon. He is speaking uh, as a loving father to a son, but he is also speaking as, as king to his successor, because he is not merely concerned for the success of his son, he is concerned about the success and the well-being of the nation as well. He tells him that he is about to go the way of all the earth, which is just another way of saying that death is near at hand. He's about to die. And very often, last words uh, from parents are always very weighty and meaningful. And I find his words in the text very weighty. We often through lots of frivolity that goes on in our lives in conversations from day to day. But last words 
are often very meaningful and instructive. And here is what he says, be strong, show yourself a man. Or as another translation says, be strong and courageous. Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways that you may succeed in all you do and wherever you go so that the Lord may fulfill his promise to me. Is a brief summary of the text that was read. The first thought is that he gives an admonition, that admonition to be strong and show himself a man, he says to Solomon. And it is not making reference to physical strength. He is not telling him to lift weights or anything like that. Nor is he, in saying, show yourself a man, he isn't telling him that he should do the man things like cursing or swearing, or as Bajan sometimes would say, cussing. But he is telling Solomon to assume his responsibilities seriously. He's telling him to give attention to the task at hand. He has recounted the history of the people of Israel, how God had delivered them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt, how he had gone before them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, how he had brought them through the Red Sea, making a way for them where it seemed to be no way when they felt themselves trapped, the Egyptians behind them and the Red Sea before them. God parted the waters for them. He fought their battles, defeated their enemies, and brought them into the land of promise. David is declaring, just as Joshua had declared when he came to the point in his life where he would soon be passing the nation on to another, he said, not one word has failed of all the good promise all that God had promised to us had been fulfilled. As I read this text, I thought of what is written in our national anthem. It says, the Lord has been the people's guide for past 300 years. With him still on the people's side, we have no doubts or fears. Upwards, onwards, we shall go, inspired, exultant, free, and greater will our nation grow in strength and unity. The Barbados National Anthem, as I read those words, the Lord has been the people's side guide. With him still on the people's side, I am delighted to say today that God as he was with Israel, God was with us. God is for us, and God has gone before us. These 53 years of independence, 
we reflect today on the faithfulness of God. He has been ever faithful, ever sure. In the words of Martin Luther, in the hymn we sing often in our churches, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. God has never failed us. The second word in the text in this admonition is a charge. David says, keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his ordinances, his law. He is simply commanding him to walk with integrity. And I ask myself, and some will ask the question, why would David give so solemn a charge, an oath of office, as it were, to his son Solomon, and to do so with such seriousness? And I would say to you that the answer is right. As we go to our television sets and turn them on, uh, we hear the words, investigations, inquiries, formally probe. And that is the reason I believe that David gave Solomon this solemn charge, saying to him that if he walked in God's ways, that there would be no shame. There would be no loss of reputation. And so we must assume our responsibilities as Solomon did his. We walk, take the charge seriously, and if we walk with integrity, trust and confidence in government will not erode. David was telling Solomon that even though he was king, that there was a king of kings of whom he should also be subject. And as I thought of this word charge in the text today as it relates to David as father giving his son Solomon a charge for the nation, I couldn't help thinking that we as Barbadians have been given a charge, sometimes by our fathers and sometimes by our mothers, as well as by certain men and women in the community who acted like they were our father and mothers. They would say to us, things like put God first or trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. But I also remember some other charges that were given. They would tell us that manners make of man. And I heard from the lips of my parents as well, honesty is the best policy. Did you all hear that? All right. And another one that I thought of 
that used to be said in Beijing was that you got to go through the cart road to get to the main road. They were giving us things sometimes and nuggets of truth that we sucked our teeth at and sometimes shrugged our shoulders. But indeed, and in fact, those statements have shaped our lives. So David is saying to Solomon, keep the charge of the Lord your God. And I, as a pastor, could not read the text and see the word charge without thinking as a person who grew up in the Wesleyan church in Barbados that every time officers were elected for the new year and they were being installed, we sang the hymn, A Charge to Keep, I Have, A God to Glorify. And so you and I are charged with the responsibility of being respectable citizens of Barbados, and this is best accomplished as we seek to be citizens, good citizens, of the kingdom of God. The third and final point that I see in the text, not just this, this admonition and the charge, but there is the word promise. David says that Solomon should keep the charge, keep the ways of the Lord his God, walk in his ways, walk in obedience, so that God might fulfill his promise to him. David at that time was speaking of the fact that God had said to him that if his children will walk in obedience, walk in his ways, that there will always be a man, there will always be someone to succeed them as king, someone on the throne of Israel. But I believe he was saying more than that. I believe that he was saying that the day would come through the lineage and the house of David that Christ Jesus would come into the world. Christ, whose birth we celebrate in less than a month away. That by his death and resurrection, we have received forgiveness of sins and the assurance of life eternal. God has fulfilled his promise in the person of Jesus Christ, being of the house of David. And in the context of Barbados on this 53rd anniversary of independence, we reflect on God. The fact that he has been faithful to us personally, as well as nationally, that God has fulfilled his promise to Barbados. For God has said in his word, Acts, and it shall be given. And that everyone who acts receives. And I believe that God has fulfilled his promise in the fact that every, all the prayers that have been offered in Barbados and for Barbados as we began as a nation in 1966, that God has kept his promise over these 53 years. 
God has given Barbados good and responsible government from both political parties. God has blessed us with highly educated and progressive prime ministers from both sides of the aisle. None of the fears of the naysayers have materialized. No despots or dictators have ruled Barbados. A democratically elected government by an informed and educated electorate has kept both parties in check. Barbados remains a nation which Barbadians at home and abroad can be justly proud. God has been ever faithful, ever sure, and may God be forever praised. Two quick stories and I close. In June of this year, I was at home for the funeral of my wife's mother. After the funeral were over, we spent about two weeks browsing around the island. And I remember walking around Bridgetown and on Constitution Road as my wife and her sister shopped. Uh, I went into the cathedral and I sat there and I prayed. And as I reminisced on my childhood and my teenage years, in Barbados prior to 1972 when I emigrated. It suddenly dawned on me that I was sitting in a building that represented the presence of God in the city Barbados. And I, as I reflected Upon it a bit more, I came to the conclusion that the church is indeed the visible presence of God among his people. I know that we may not be as familiar with Old Testament scripture as with the New, but the church, like the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, was is the visible presence of God amongst his people. And by the church, I mean Anglicans, I mean Catholics, Methodists and Moravians, Wesleyans and Nazarenes, Baptists, Adventists, Pentecostals, and all people of faith, and not just the buildings, but the people are the visible presence of God. And I recall the words of Bishop Peter Fenty a few years ago. In a sermon he preached, he said, We are God's anointed ones. We are the church, and we are God's anointed ones. And as I left the cathedral, I walked towards Broad Street, and I stopped and took a few pictures as I looked at the public buildings. And just 
just a few steps from the cathedral. The church from the cathedral church are the public buildings. And in reflecting on this text today, I want to say that as the cathedral church and the public buildings, the place where our government sits, are close to each other physically, that in like manner they should be close to each other philosophically. I believe that the church and government should be closely aligned. And I believe that this is the message that David is conveying to his son Solomon, that he must indeed pay attention to the word of God if he is to govern successfully. Second story, in 1955, Hurricane Jeanette hit Barbados. And we refer to Jeanette as the big one. And I was just a boy of four or five years old, four going five at that time. And I am the last of eight children born to my mother and, and father. And I remember my father tying ropes onto the rafters to ensure that he kept the roof, stopped the roof from blowing off. And he made my older brothers, Vernon, Richard, and Carl, stay at home to hold on to that, those ropes to make sure that, that that roof didn't go, and thank God it didn't go. But what he did was that he sent myself and my younger sisters to St. Matthew's School as the emergency shelter. And the gentleman took care of us. The boy, I remember him lifting me up. He walked, I walked certain part, but he took me in his arms and literally carried me until to a place of safety. And then, of course, he made sure that we got cheese and crackers and took good care of us. And I have reflected on that occurrence many times in my adult life. And I wondered how could mom and dad entrust three of their younger children into the care of someone who, to me at that time, was a total stranger. How could they feel comfortable? in doing such a thing. But I want to say uh, that it was because they knew him, I didn't. And the message I want to convey from this story simply is that I would wish and hope that the same love, the same care, the kindness and the neighborliness that he manifested towards us would be characteristics of all Barbadians. Let me conclude.
we have heard about the admonition and the charge and the promise. The admonition simply is that we should be strong and courageous, face our responsibilities with courage and with faith. The charge is simply to obey God's laws and to walk in his ways, to follow his commands. And the promise is that God would be ever faithful, ever sure, as our protector, as our provider, and as our guide. The promise is that the God who has been with us in the past will continue to go before us in the future. Amidst the changing global conditions and changing social and economic realities, God, by virtue of his covenant, will be ever faithful and ever sure. It is for us to align our lives with his word to walk in his ways and to fulfill the purpose for which he made us. And to this end I say, may God bless our Prime Minister. May God bless all ministers and all branches of government. May God bless all Barbadians at home and abroad. And may God bless us all. Amen.